Evolutionary.org presents Evolutionary Hardcore Podcast with your co-hosts, Steve from the American Underground and Mobster from the UK Iron Den. Get ready for the most hardcore and underground info in the industry. And here we go. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6... Hey, what's up, guys? Evolutionary.org, emergency number six podcast coming your way. Steve Schmee and the mobster, of course, joining me. How's it going, buddy? Good. This is a very popular bodybuilder that we're doing today. Let's get into the whys and wherefores of him passing away. Okay, so Cedric McMillan. Oh, my gosh. Um, I was looking at some videos of him yesterday from the Arnold, and we're going to link it in the article but, oh, my gosh, uh, he's passed away. Horrible news in the bodybuilding world. So we're going to get into it. We're going to discuss his life. We're going to discuss what happened here. We're going to speculate on steroids that he was using. We're also going to talk about his health issues and why this happened. Also discuss his positives. Um, he has a lot of positives, guys. So rest in peace, buddy. Uh, I was watching the videos, Mobster, from the Arnold. Unbelievable. Not only... Is he a tremendous bodybuilder, but also what a character, what a fun guy yes. to be around. Nobody who isn't an asshole has anything bad to say about this guy. Truly the best. So uh, we really, a heart goes out to his friends and family out there. And um, we're, you know, this is going to be, uh, this is going to be one that we're going to do. And hopefully, you know, we're going to give our uh, condolences to him, but we're also going to talk about you know, his life and celebrate his life. So he passed away recently, 44 years old. And Sean Ray put out a Twitter post. He was one of the first pro bodybuilders to come out and post on Twitter to confirm that it actually happened because there were some rumors for a few hours that were out. And we weren't sure if it was true or not because people always put rumors out on yeah. celebrities dying. It's just like they, they try to troll or they try to be the first one to put out the breaking news to get view clicks. At his peak, Cedric was an absolute beast. 310 pounds, six foot one, and a ripped 6% body fat or less. Again, you can pull up his Arnold win um, and see what this guy looked like. In my opinion, he looked better than, than Big Rami looks today. I mean, it's just incredible the way this guy looks. Uh, I mean... I'd be if you saw him like walking down the beach with that physique, you would be like, holy shit, that's <laughs> that's what I want to look for. If you're really, uh, you know, a bodybuilding fan. Yeah, go ahead, Mom. Sorry, you wanted to jump in. Yeah, yeah I was just going to jump in here. So there was a comment made prior to his win by Arnold saying he wanted to see guys coming back in with a, a small waist without no bubble gut, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, this is where Cedric came to the fore. He was, he's a good, po a great poser, was a great poser, had that tight waist. And uh, certainly when he won the Arnold, brung it, 100% brung it. Now we're going to get into where he wasn't quite as capable as bringing it afterwards, which is related to his medical conditions that we're going to get into. But certainly very entertaining on stage. There's a lovely video out there with Arnold down at the front doing a, a, a live stream video from, from the front of the stage and uh, Cedric's posing behind him. And Cedric kind of catches a look and starts goofing around behind Arnold, ruffling his hair. And there's other interviews that they did where uh, he's, he gets Arnold to pose and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, he had the physique, certainly had the personality and seemed to be enjoying himself enormously. Back to you. Yeah, and he loved bodybuilding. That was the thing. We're going to talk about that in a second. So Early life, born in August of 1977, one of his first memories was watching bodybuilders on television and being inspired by their muscles. Favorite action star was Arnold, of course, and he wanted to look like Conan the Barbarian one day. He started to work on bodyweight exercising, sit-ups, push-ups, pull-ups, very young age, five, six years old. So he built a really strong base early on. He read bodybuilding magazines. He picked the brain's of some of the other lifters in his neighborhood. He transitioned to weight training, but his mom would not let him lift without adult supervision. So he would hide his training from his mother when she was not home. So he'd wait for her to leave for work, then he'd pull out all his weights 
and start lifting weights while she wasn't around. That was kind of a funny little thing he he had to do as a kid. She just didn't want him to get injured. Um, One of the things that he liked about weight training, and I've heard this, my other um, podcast host, Ricky V. Rock, says the same thing. He's more into the solo aspect of weight training. He doesn't like the team sports. So, you know, everybody has their own thing. I kind of like both. I like both. There's advantages to both and disadvantages to both. I mean, for me, I just want to go out there and have fun. If I can have fun with a bunch of people, I'm not taking it seriously. I don't care about winning the game necessarily, even though I'm competitive. I just want to have a good time. If I'm playing basketball or something, I'd rather play basketball, you know, five on five than play basketball one on one. But, you know, that's just me. Yeah, so Monster, chime in on that a little bit, and we're going to kind of get... I'm just going to jump in here, Stephen, and say that Arnold Schwarzenegger talks about this very same subject in his own Education of a Bodybuilder, I believe, and a few of the other guys have talked about it. A lot of uh, professional bodybuilders, where, as we know, they are genetically best, and a few of them, I'm going to say probably about 50 60%, so a good proportion, have been decent high school athletes, whether that's uh, pro ball, wrestling, or whatever else. But uh, ultimately... Uh, they, they, as, as, as like you said, you know, it's one thing to play for the team and you win and et cetera, et cetera. But some of them, and then maybe it's an egotistical thing where you go, you know what? I, I made this team win. And there's the ego talking, of course, but I'm not the one getting patted on the back. We're all being celebrated. And, and some people don't like that. I think the other aspect of, because we, which you and I have addressed before, and it comes down to what you're good at. So whether you or not, if this was you and I had different skill set, then this podcast would be about playing chess or playing snooker or doing something or basketball or some other sport entirely. But we both ended up doing this is because this is what interests us. And it's same as Cedric, something we enjoy, something that we like. We have other interests outside this podcast, guys, but this is what we're talking about. Cedric's no different. He likes lifting weights. He likes what happened to his physique. And you're listening to this podcast for the same reason, Steve. Where you? Listen, and at the end of the day, Cedric did a really cool thing. He joined the U.S. Army Reserves. He was able to train yes. there. He enjoyed it. He continued to build up his physique. 10 pounds here, 15 pounds there, which looked good on his lean body frame. He ballooned up to 230 pounds. Then he cut down hard to 210 for his first amateur competition, where he won it easily. So uh, Iraq war started in about 2003 and he was sent there and he was stationed in the middle of the desert. He had no access to gym equipment. So what he did, and we had talked about this before with some of these other guys who, you know, grew up in East Europe or whatever, they didn't have access to good gym equipment, but he loved bodybuilding so much. So he, he got some wood, he got some spare parts. He put together a makeshift gym so that he could train him and his buddies over there could train. Once he came home, he wanted to become a pro bodybuilder, set his sight on the 2007 South Carolina State Show, and he won the overall title. So by this time, Cedric was an absolute beast. He was destroying everybody in these amateur amateur competitions. Nobody stood a chance against him. Obviously, he had the genetics to be a professional. He had everything he needed to be a professional. He had his diet, his training, as good as it needed to be. He was up to 245 pounds and ripped. He dominated the heavyweight categories and in competitions. He won the NPC Junior USA Championships and then the NPC National Championships in back-to-back years, 2008 and 2009. Then in 2010, he got fourth at the Europa Dallas Pro. So he would go on to win the Europa Orlando Pro, New York Pro, and FIBO Power Germany over the next several years. And he got 13th place, lucky 13 at the 2013 Mr. Olympia. That's an incredible accomplishment. His other Mr. Olympia finishes 12th and 14, 7th and 16, 10th in 2017, 9th in 2018, and 7th in 2019. Awesome. You know, those anything in the top 10 at Mr. Olympia, basically top 10 in the world as far as I'm concerned. So talk about that a little bit and we'll get into the Arnold a little bit. I'm going to jump in here again, Stephen, because it actually references something that we're going to talk about later, guys. What's interesting, and we've done this in previous podcasts when we say that such and such a person has done incredibly well and then they seem to drop off. 
So in, in this date time, Steve, in, this, in the range of dates that you've just given, 2017 is a big time date reference to his health. And specifically, guys, which we'll get into the, the meat and potatoes of this in a moment, he had pneumonia, full-blown pneumonia in 2017. And we'll talk about the health issues as a result of that and the other health issues that come afterwards that ultimately uh, probably led to his death. But 27 is an interesting date right there, Stephen. In fact, the fact that he was 10th and was able to push himself up to 9th in 18 and 7th in 19 is, is when you consider the things that you and I are going to discuss in a moment, it's quite impressive. It really is. In terms of, I mean, in terms of the rest of the competitions, I mean, you, you addressed this in, in, in a second in the article with regards to his uh, meeting uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, his hero, at the Arnold competition. As I've already mentioned, guys, the back and forth, the videos, there's at least two good videos that you can go out there and look at. I believe Arnold may have also referred to Cedric as well and, you know, saying it's one of the good guys and how they met, et cetera, et cetera. You can double check that for yourselves, of course. So, yeah, there's there's a bunch of stuff out there. I think the thing that we're going to get at really here, both enjoying competing, Steve, but enjoying bodybuilding full stop. When you're in a position, and I believe a couple of the other guys have talked about this, when you say, oh, my, I think Tom Platz is about, you know, competing with my hero and I got to a competition and Robbie Robinson was there and I was blown away. Or, you know, someone else saying the same about Tom or whatever else. Here you are, you're on stage at the Arnold and Arnold Schwarzenegger's video and you, he's in front of you, he's doing his thing. So you start getting into that. that that's a man that really loves doing what he's doing. And again, I mean, as we're going to address with regards to the medical issues, there's an element which Steve and I discussed in the pre-show, almost of being too stubborn because he loved competing, because he loved to work out, Steve. What do you think? Yeah, and we're definitely going to get into that. That's, that's unfortunately, you know, the way it works in bodybuilding. To, to be at this level where he's getting to, you have to have that in your mind. You have to have yes. something in your mind. It's just like a self-made CEO of a Fortune 500 company. Not a, not a CEO whose mommy and daddy you know, gave him, you know, millions of dollars to start a company. I mean, that actual self-made guy, like, like Michael Bloomberg, for example, who grew up with no food, you know, and he ended up becoming a multi-billionaire, someone like that, or a Warren Buffett, you know, self-made guys, not a Bill Gates, you know, who, whose grandpa gave him millions of dollars to start a software company. So you have to have this in your mind, something in your mind to, to, to get you there. It's the same thing in anything. It's just not, not, not just bodybuilding and you'll work until you basically, you know, work yourself to death. And that's, that's kind of the mentality that he had here. But what was really cool, Mobster, let me, let me go with this. You want to jump in right now? Or? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm just going to say, Steve, yeah. I think you and I have talked about this before. Um, the, the, both of us have trained to the point of getting ourselves injured. Both of us have trained uh, when we're up, I use the crew terminology, our asses are hanging out for competitions and for things that we wanted to succeed in. And it's sometimes the most difficult thing to describe to someone online when you're talking about nutrition and training and PEDs. And you say, no, 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 you, first things first, you need to have this kind of drive, almost stupid drive, uh, it's almost self-damaging kind of level of uh, mentality that drives you to want to prove yourself or succeed in some particular way. And so we know, looking at Cedric's background, that's there 100%. He talks about his, specifically, he says uh, this when he's discussing his medical issues, he said specifically, he goes, 50% stubborn and 50% paying attention to the advice that I was being given. And the stubborn part is where you carry on doing something when you're injured, when you carry on lifting, when you're not going to be Mr. Olympia, you carry on lifting because you like lifting, because you like this kind of training. When you carry on doing stuff, you know, that ultimately is it's like having knackered feet and carry on kicking a ball or having a knackered shoulder and carry on playing baseball, uh, you know, it, the pitching. It's just the kind of like you need almost, it's almost like a mental illness, Steve. It really is. And I'm sure there's some sort of psychologist out there rubbing their hands together with, and, and thinking of articles they can write and how much money they can make from treating athletes. You don't get to be the level that Cedric was without some element of this existing in you. 
but it's really, really difficult to define, guys. As I say, uh, I know Steve and I have both suffered and probably still suffer from some element of this aspect. But I know, I know for a fact, looking at this stuff and the way that Cedric's talked, he 100% he had this, doing things when perhaps he shouldn't have done. So, yeah, I mean, carry on, Steve. Well, the difference between him and us in some ways is he's got the peer pressure of having all these friends at such high level, like Kai Green and Arnold and all this, that he wants, he doesn't want to let them down. He doesn't want to let his fans out. He doesn't want people on social media to be let down. So he'll do what he has to do to say the level. In my case, feeling my half you know, my arm, my right arm being numb when I'm sleeping, get up in the middle of the night in pain, not being able to raise my hand, my arm above my head and it affecting things like I can't go to a football game and sit there for three hours and watch a football game because my neck was in so much pain getting spasms. And, you know, and the pills that the doctors were giving me for the pain were just making my stomach hurt. So I was like, fuck this. I need to take time off from the gym. I need to stop this. That was the difference. But in his case, and a lot of these bodybuilders, you know, they're going to do whatever they have to do to get back in there. So, you know, they're, they're under that much pressure. So, but let's, let's finish up his, um, you know, his trophies and his accomplishments. He got to meet his childhood hero, Arnold Schwarzenegger, many times. Arnold Classic Competition, sixth at the Arnold in 2013, third in 2014, fourth in 2015, second in 2016. He just couldn't get first. Kai Green beat him, by the way, in 2016. And then finally, in 2017, he got first place. And even Arnold told him, Arnold, when he handed him the, the trophy, he was like, Cedric, finally, that was his comment. because. He really, really knew that Cedric, you know, could he got, you know, he just couldn't get over the top. So he finally got over the top. He had a well-earned victory in 2017. And he got to take pictures with Arnold. He gave Arnold, you know, the, the bunny ears. Arnold was yeah, taking a picture right. of him. He gave on and he's playing with Arnold. It, yeah. Playing with you can watch the video, it's linked in the article. You can just you can YouTube it. He's playing with Arnold's hair, you know, and all this stuff. So that's the kind of personality he have in people like that you know others like that type of personality guys it's my personality it's like a smack a, a slapstick type of uh dry sense of humor that people like you know you endear yourself to people you know all the time when you when you act like that we don't take stuff too seriously when you're cool with people when you're not just an asshole we see so many assholes especially in the bodybuilding community especially in the social media the youtube community um in the podcast community uh, so many assholes in the industry and it's, it sucks. You know, it, it really does. It's sad for this industry sometimes, but you know, we try to make, you know, we try to get, bring you guys an entertaining show, but also we try to bring you a show where we, you know, we have fun and you guys enjoy listening to this for sure. So um, let me just go, let me just finish up the rest of his competitions mobster and then I'll get you in there and we'll get into his health problems. Okay. Some of his other competitions I have to mention, his wins, Golden State Pro in 2015, the Kevin Lavrone Classic in 2016, the Fit Parade Hungary Pro Grand Prix, and the Romania Muscle Fest, both in 2019. So he had some really big victories, and he had some top 10 Mr. Olympia finishes, and he had some really high Arnold Classic finishes plus wins. So an accomplished bodybuilder, nobody is going to argue with that. And I was talking to Mobster about this in the pre-show, and I think I brought it up earlier on the podcast. I have to mention it again. I honestly think the 27 Arnold Classic, and I'm not no bodybuilding judge, but I honestly think his physique was better than Big Rami's from recent years. But I know he wasn't as big. He wasn't this. He wasn't that, whatever. But his physique overall, in my opinion, was better than big Rami. And, and he's a hell of a bodybuilder. He was a hell of a bodybuilder. Any way you slice it. So Momster, jump in uh, with your final thoughts and then we'll move into his health issues that he started to have. Right. So I've got a couple of comments I've just made here, Steve. I think one specifically references the thought process when you said about certain other personalities in the sport being less than perhaps they should be in terms of the 
fan interaction and and I think that just literally comes down to a sense of ego if you're the kind of person who's introspective if you're not as outgoing as we're talking about if you're not enjoying life quite as much then your personality can come across in that particular way uh, and, and um, it's, it's some of it's just down to lack of self-awareness and a certain insecurity and it could be a great driver of you as an athlete but it just comes across negatively so you, you know you could be a really intelligent fella you could be really hard training you could be on point with your diet and your pds and everything else but if you can't sell that and i say that in the nicest way if you can't interact then then you're never gonna sort of take that next level stuff forward arnold as arrogant as he would have been as an athlete back in the day we're still doing it with tongue firmly wedged in cheek. We're still goofing around. You still kind of liked him even when he was being an arsehole and all that kind of stuff. So there's that element in there. Something else, you and I talked about this in a pre-show. I think it came across very well uh, in terms of fans and even in the interviews that he was doing. And what I said in the pre-show to Steve was, I said that he was spending, and this is quite easy for you guys to check out, 15 to 20 minutes with each fan. Now, if you've ever gone to any of these shows, guys, and you're back, you, you know, out there in the foyer, sometimes up in a corridor or a hotel or whatever, whether it's a wrestling event or a bodybuilding event, very similar in that the, the, the pros will line up and they'll be selling you T-shirts, they'll be signing autographs, they'll be selling you photographs, and it's a, it's a meet-the-fan type situation. And I've, I've been to big uh, exhibitions where I've seen people like four hours for Jay Cutler, queuing three hours, four hours, or Ronnie Common and so on and so forth. The issue, and I say this in a positive way with Cedric, is that normally it's like one minute, two minutes, three minutes. And sometimes if or you can only stay there, you can only pose for a photograph. Even at the meet with Arnold, they've got the, the big, you know, famous people, Robert De Niro's done, Arnold Schwarzenegger's done one, an evening with, and you've paid the thousand dollars, you literally get two to three minutes backstage and the, that Arnold will sign a picture for you and they pose for a picture and it's like three minutes. Cedric was spending 15 to 20 minutes per person. So expos and events and competitions will be over and the security are trying to get people to leave the building and there's still a queue. And I know this because there's been interviews done by Rx Muscle, MD, et cetera, where they've had to wait 90 minutes or even worse, wait for the event to finish so you can literally grab three minutes with Cedric on camera and Cedric's apologised and then he goofs around with the person and they feel okay about it. So he's such a nice guy, came across such in a positive way that not only did the fans love him, but even the poor reporter, the, the, the person holding the microphone has had to wait an hour and a half. He's ended up kind of feeling okay about it because Cedric's come across and apologised, goofing and smiling to the camera and saying, listen, you know, this is the reason why I do this thing. This is I, I, the fans or what make it you wouldn't have a job if i didn't do this i wouldn't have a job i wouldn't be in, i wouldn't be a professional bodybuilder if i wasn't showing the fans some love and people got that and they saw that he was spending that kind of time something i'll very briefly touch on guys as always with these kind of situations i mean we typically look at and the nutrition we're going to touch on a specific and certain way relating to his medical conditions but i looked at his training steve very quickly and it was very, the, the stuff that I've looked at here, this is on Jacked Gorilla, talks about literally four exercises for back. So he was able to build up that kind of physique, probably as a result of the foundation that Steve refers to right at the beginning when he was a kid, and then the secret training that he was doing when his mum wasn't around. But that foundation, and, and of course his blessed genetics, meant that he was able to keep things real simple. Now, I don't know enough unfortunately, and there's not a lot of videos out there for this kind of thing, to know whether he's one of those guys who was a hyper-responder, I suspect there might be an element of that, or whether he's one of those guys who's really able to get the most out of quite a short workout. But give an example here, Steve, he's literally four exercises, barbell rows, pull-downs, one-arm cable pullover, and hyper-extension. And the first three exercises are just three sets of 12. That's it. I'd probably do as much work as that. And then the last one, the hybrid extensions, because obviously a lot of people don't use a lot of weight on this one, three sets of 20 to 25 reps. Now, I had a quick look at his other training, Steve. It's all very simple, very straightforward. The tie-ins, his foundation and training, uh, that genetic response 
and the and, and you know it's the muscles guy whether you've got big joints small joints whether the muscles tied right into the joint that kind of stuff that gives it the shape um what was interesting for me looking at it is as the terms of his upper body versus his lower body and 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 the stuff like that but i think what sells him more than anything else in terms of his physique apart from the science is that small waist and that probably just comes from food control now when we talk about his medical issues as we're just about to He's a bit the nutrition he was having to do, especially recently, Steve, when it comes to his uh, training and to try and compete. Uh, the fact that he was able to hold any muscle uh, is an interesting thing that we can refer to. And it's unfortunately, again, because of the medical conditions that he wasn't quite able to bring in this last year or so, the physique that he wanted to bring to stage. And I'm going to say, going back to what happened before, it was possibly also what was holding him back the last couple of years. And that was an inability because of the medical issues to bring nutritionally what he needed to do as a bodybuilder to get into the true kind of shape that wins you competitions all the time. And yet was still able to place well, still able to bring a world-class physique. And that's a great blessing from his training and his passion, which we've already dealt with. And of course, from genetics and to some degree which we'll touch on at the end of this uh, podcast naturally the PED is helping him to retain muscle let's get into the medical stuff Steve the, the real meat and potatoes uh, going all the way back to 2017 yeah why don't you start us off um, with that and I'll kind of get into uh, the recent issues he's had right so guys we, we know for a fact uh, this has come from the horse's mouth that's from Cedric himself uh, Nick Trigilli talking on uh, bodybuilding and bullshit and other references where this is not supposition. This is not second guessing. This, this is the real deal. Uh, so what we're talking about here, guys, is back in 2017, full-blown pneumonia. Now, this is not some, you know, a cold or the flu. This is the stuff where uh, I think double pneumonia essentially, Steve, is two lungs versus one lung. Your, your fluid coughing it's like the worst kind of flu that you've ever had and we're talking about so bad i believe he's hospitalized then so one of the things he actually talks about and, and, and with regards to covid which he caught uh two years ago in 2019 was that the pneumonia essentially he never felt right after having a pneumonia in 2017 never felt 100 the way that he felt before Steve and I can touch on as, 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 uh, and, and our knowledge of ourselves and, and other athletes where you don't always appreciate the health that you have or how strong or how fit or how great you was at your sport until the peak has passed. You're always looking to improve. You're always looking to take a second off of, of this time or add a few kilos to the bar on, on, on the in that angle uh, or get a 1% leaner as a bodybuilder and so on and so forth. And it's only when you look back, when the peak has gone past, that you're able to say, oh, that was when I was in my row strip. That's when I was my most strongest and so on and so forth. 100% with Cedric saying that after pneumonia, he was never felt, he never felt the way that he felt before. He never felt that he was able to do what he could do before. And he never felt like he completely recovered from it. So that was really, really interesting might be for me there. And then uh, when we get to the 2020, 2019, 2020 COVID, he says, it almost killed me. And something that I've talked about with Steve in the pre-show specifically was he was intubated. Intubated, guys, is the, it's not being tubed down the nose. It's the full-blown, they, they were putting you unconscious. You got When you go to hospital, when you see people on oxygen, sometimes they have a mask. Sometimes they have a thin tube going up their nose and down their throat and into their lungs. Intubation is the full Monty. It's the big plastic tube in the mouth with a sponge taped onto your face and you can't talk. And as often as not, stop you choking or having to give your muscle relaxes. In Cedric's case, he had to be unconscious. And so this is the full blown. You've already got lungs that are kind of fucked because of pneumonia. And now you've got full-blown COVID and you've had intubation. You've literally as bad as it can possibly get to the point where, as I said, they kept him unconscious, Steve. 
And we're looking uh, one of the issues, I think you said that at the, when he recovered, or should I say more accurately, partially recovered uh, from the intubation, when his cum ran, he was told at that time he had 10% of the heart function. Uh, quite how that's described, I don't know, but that's what he said he was told by the doctors, 10% heart function afterwards. And so you're looking at stuff like that in terms of the full-blown effect that these things are going to have on your body. Now, later on, and I think Steve can address this now in terms of the heart issues, you're, you're talking about, um, I think he was, says he was having problems with hiccups and there was some conversation with uh, Nick saying, did he have damage to the esophagus? Did he have damage to the diaphragm? Was this a result of the intubation during COVID? And not getting full proper diagnosis, so much so that the uh, one of the comments that uh, Cedric himself made and Nick refers to was something to the effect of, if they put a camera down his throat into his esophagus to look to see if there's any damage, to see if there's any damage to the lungs or to the diaphragm, the issue of the camera going down in itself would have required anesthesia. And as a result, the anesthetic could have killed him because of that heart condition that he already had. So in order to get fixed, he would have died or could have died, which is a kind of crazy situation, which leads you to where we are now. So what do you think, Steve, in regards to all these yeah. kind of issues? Yeah, so basically the, when he was on life support, as Romster mentioned, the doctor actually yeah. called his family and said, hey, you know, he's probably not going to make it. It was that bad. Yes. And I've seen some people make comments, you know, in recent days, and they've said, oh, bodybuilders, you know, they're strong. They're able to push through stuff like this. It's actually the opposite. And, um, you know, sometimes reality hurts, you know, sometimes the truth hurts. And a lot of these bodybuilders, they don't want to admit the truth. In his situation, being over 300 pounds, and he even admits this, coming out of his own mouth in interviews, it did him no favors being a 300-pound bodybuilder. When you get sick like this, you already have trouble breathing as a bodybuilder, all right? Much less having to go through this where your lungs aren't functioning. If you're that, if you're the oxygen isn't going through your body properly, that means your organs are having to work harder. That means you're being that big means your heart has to work that much harder. So you add to that stress on top of it, getting pneumonia, getting the COVID, getting all this stuff hitting your body at the same time, your body's going to start shutting down. And your body is going to have a really hard time. So had he not gone to the hospital and gone on life support like that, where his body had a chance to rest and repair itself, and the doctors could give him what he needed to get through it, they, you know, whatever, whether it be antibiotics, whatever the cocktail is to get him through it, I mean, he would have died right then and there. So for him to survive that, is really a medical miracle. That's just the, the miracle of modern medicine because you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, for sure, he wanted to survive something like that, impossible. And he was very lucky because at the time when COVID was, was rampant back in 2020, many people didn't have access to healthcare, number one, especially around the world. Um, I know you guys in Britain have really, really good healthcare, but United States, we have shit healthcare. We have the worst healthcare of any developed country. Number two, if you're rich, United States, you're going to get good medical care. But if you're not rich, you ain't going to get good medical care. And number three, the hospitals were so overwhelmed that, yeah. you know, you, there was no ventilators to go around to people. So you had to wait. You had to wait for a hospital bed. You had to wait to a ventilator. So he was very lucky he was able to get all this. And um, he was lucky he has access to it because if you were in certain parts of the country at the time, you had to wait. And unfortunately, there was really nothing they could do for you. They were setting up tents outside at the time because they had no room in the hospitals. So and uh, the few times I've been to hospitals, you know, they usually are they're understaffed and they don't have enough hospital beds. So he was very, very lucky to survive this. And 
I don't think people realize that. So coming back from that mobster, he laid out a plan. He's like, yes, I'm going to come back from this. 2022 Arnold Classic South America, that's where I'm going to come back to. And he started prepping for it, and he started coming back. And we're going to get into that next. Um, so let's jump right into that. Um, you know, we'll talk about his social media a little bit. He's got 600,000 followers on Instagram. You can check out his Instagram page. Um, he... He's got a lot of uh, videos on YouTube of him training. You guys could check that out as well. But what got him into the next step, Mobster, was a recent video he put out on February 28, 2022 on his Instagram. He said he wanted to clear up a lot of rumors that were being said about him. Since October, he was having issues keeping food and water down. Mobster alluded to that, and we talked about it on the pre-show. The doctor told him not to do the show, but he was stubborn, so he stuck to doing a liquid diet of soup and weight gainers to keep his weight up. He also showed all the medications he was on and said he was taught, uh, taking for stomach ulcers seemed to help him. The one he was taking for stomach ulcers seemed to be helping him. So, um, yeah, his gut was basically blown to bits. Okay, bodybuilders, this is another thing with pro bodybuilders, uh, where reality hurts. You know, the facts are stubborn things. In bodybuilding, the amount of food that you eat, especially the amount of protein you eat, all puts a lot of pressure on the gut, puts a lot of pressure on the kidneys. The size puts a lot of pressure on the kidneys. All the steroids that you use and this, the drugs that you use put a lot of pressure on the gut as well. So bodybuilder guts are blown to bits. Um, so when you have poor gut health, that's your whole body, your whole body. Uh, the gut is so important for the whole body. If you're one of those people, you've always had gut issues ever since you were a kid, you have food intolerances and all this stuff, and you can't seem to get your finger on it. If you don't fix that ASAP, that will shorten your life. So make sure that you figure out what is bothering your gut. In his case, he had this really bad, what he called a stomach ulcer, or what he was diagnosed with stomach ulcer. That's just the tip of the iceberg. So, you know, those things you know, take a long time to heal. You got to do a lot of things to heal that and throwing tons of food at your body and doing what he was doing here, which is throwing tons of weight gainers and protein shakes at his stomach is not helping the situation. What would have helped him in this situation was homemade bone broth and just fasting, lots of water, just doing a water fast. That would have healed his gut here, but he didn't want to do that because he was obsessed with keeping his weight up. We go back to what we were talking about earlier. There's something in his mind where he can't accept losing muscle. You know, he considered retirement, but he admits he loves bodybuilding too much. And dude, you know, you can love bodybuilding without doing it. You know, Monster and I love bodybuilding, even though we're not pro bodybuilders. We don't go on stage in a bikini to show our bodies off to other men. You know, we could, we still could still a bodybuilding. You don't have to, we can, I can love the NFL, even though I never played college football or, or NFL professional football. You see what I'm saying? So, and he also had this feeling and he says, I have to prove myself to others. Why? You've proven enough, bro. Look at, look at, look at the Arnold Classic win that you had. That was proof, bro. You did it. You won the Arnold Classic. Why? Why did you push yourself to this? This is what I would want to love. I'd love to ask Cedric. Like it was just unnecessary. You already proved anyone out there who isn't, who doesn't know that Cedric Millen is one of the top bodybuilders of the decade, of his decade. Anyone, they're just morons. Period. They're assholes and they're more, they don't know what the hell they're talking about. He's one of the, easily one of the top guys, top 10 Mr. Olympia, dude. Top 10, seventh place and two Mr. Olympias, won the Arnold Classic. What else do you have to prove, man? Yeah, yeah. But it's just something, it's something there where you just want to, had he just said, you know what, I'm going to retire. This is opinion, guys. This is my opinion. All right. So you can disagree with me or agree with me, you know. Please, like, accept my opinion, whether you agree or disagree. But my opinion is, look, if he would have just retired when he started having these health issues and called it a day, no one would have thought less of him. He would still be alive. He would still be alive. 
And if he would have just quit bodybuilding, accepted to lose the 30, 40 pounds that come off his body, taking a break from the gym, taking a break from steroids, taking a break from all this stuff, the stress of traveling for all these competitions, he would still be alive. You know, the, the body is telling you, please stop what you're doing. And he was talking about eating food and throwing up half the food after he ate it. But you know what? Half the food that my body kept still was a bonus for me. That's your body saying, stop throwing food at me. Stop throwing weight gainers. Stop throwing protein shakes at me. I want to recover. So that's what happens. If you ever had like an old dog or old cat, once they get to a certain age, I had this happen to my cat a couple of years ago. Mobster knows the story. My cat wouldn't keep food down. She would try to eat. She tried her best. She tried her heart out to, to eat, but she would eat something, then throw it up. And my girlfriend would be crying. Oh my God, she's throwing up the food. And it's like, look, she's 13 years old. Her body's shutting down. You know, her body's very sick. There's really at this point, you know, you've got to just let your body heal itself. And I told my girlfriend, I'm like, look, it's okay that she's throwing it up. You know, it's okay that she's not eating because her body, you know, is trying to heal itself. In his case, his body didn't want the food and he was forcing the food on his body. And that's just not the way to do it. So, yeah. And then uh, finally, April 12th, 2022, he has passed away. And very early reports, Mobster, was that he was on the treadmill and he had a heart attack. So what were you doing on the treadmill? What? What were you doing on the treadmill? You know, uh, just should have been in bed resting and just, you know, take time away. There's nothing wrong with letting your body rest and taking time away, you know. So I'm going to jump in here now, Steve, and and I'm going to say this again at the end of the podcast, guys. So pay attention now or pay attention later on, right? So... Well, everything that Steve just said is exactly right, whether it's reference to Cedric himself or whether it's a reference to yourselves, right? Now, something that came up on the forums the other day was whether we should be honest with our doctors about, and I think the specific thing was to do with TRT use, but whether it was PD use or TRT, right? And the argument back and forth was that in America, of course, as most of our listeners are in the States, is the issue of insurance and praying for your hospital treatment, praying for your medical treatment versus telling the doctor and especially if it's a good doctor, receiving the medical treatment with them being aware that you might be using a performance enhancing drug or yourself prescribing yourself testosterone replacement therapy, TRT. And I argued that I don't, I, <laughs> I'm as egotistical as the next person, but I don't have a problem with the doctor raising a fucking eyebrow at me or looking down his nose at me, as long as that motherfucker knows what I'm doing, if I'm using, and if he knows enough to ask how much or so on and so forth in relation to any potential medical issues that I might have. Because then the argument becomes, if he doesn't know, then he can treat you without being aware that there's other drugs in your system and therefore the treatment he can give you could be wrong because he lacked the knowledge of you being honest with regards to what's going on here. In regards to Cedric, I don't think that was the issue per se, because we've addressed the, the, the potential issue with him having a fucking heart attack while he was an anesthetic, while he was having his issues checked out. And I think Steve referenced the stomach ulcer. I'm not sure that's correct, Steve. I believe it's the esophagus or throat. So that's on the way to the stomach. Uh, and I'm aware of a couple mm. of uh, family members. He mentioned in the video, stomach ulcer. Yeah. Yeah, he mentioned it. said he was on ulcer medication specifically. But anyway, the other thing is, guys, and we've touched on this a couple of times, uh, when we get to be, for argument's sake, 240 or 250 pounds at five and a half feet tall or 300 plus pounds, as I am, and Cedric is or was uh, over six feet, six foot one in Cedric's case, we've addressed this on podcast before, guys, heart health. And we say, and I said specifically that when you're 300 something pounds, you don't see 80 year old men walking around carrying 300 pounds of muscle. You don't. They're either a lot slimmer because they've lost a lot of the muscle, or they're dead because they tried to stay at 300 pounds of muscle or whatever at their height. It doesn't work that way. And quite simply, you need to be thinking about your heart health on day one. Some of you younger guys are going to be damned the consequences. This full steam ahead. I don't care. I'm going to take all the PEDs I want. 
blah, 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 and then you'll be fucked and back on the forums asking for help with your facility and wondering why you've got problems with your kidneys and so on and so forth. It's one of those annoying things that we say, and I'll mention it again at the end of the podcast, guys, but you need to have half an eye on your health. Now, Cedric, I reference it once more. He admitted to being stubborn and specifically when he's sitting in his car doing a video about the medical issues that he had in the last 12 months and reasons why he could and could not compete was he saying himself, and I'll quote this, Steve, as I said to you in the pre-show, 50% stubborn and 50% listening to, to solid advice. And it's the stubborn part that stops you taking that time off that Steve refers to. It's the stubborn part that's got you forcing weight gainers down in Cedric's case and taking this sugary stuff just to get the calories in. It's the stubborn part that Cedric's referencing when he says, I knew that if I got this amount of food down, 50% of that would be enough to keep my muscle on. That's the kind of crazy slash stubborn things that some of us do and Cedric was doing to try and still be a professional bodybuilder and still try to compete. And it is stubborn. It is kind of silly. And it is one of those things where when you're looking in, when you now know Cedric, a very, very popular bodybuilder that's passed away because of his damaged heart, because of the medical issues, but as much as anything else, because of his stubbornness, perhaps keeping him doing stuff that perhaps he should have taken time off for, uh, to quote Nick, that he should have gone and saw other doctors and forced them to check him over properly, forced them to address, for example, Steve, and I'm, I'm quoting something we haven't mentioned so far, there was a point where he was told by the doctors that his hiccups which is essentially the kind of body flexing away and not enabling him to keep the food down, which we've talked about already, was psychological, not physical. Well, it's not fucking psychological when you're dead. His heart issue, his lung issues were well known. The fact that he's puking food, break up, can't keep food down, that he's having his, he's on a bunch of medication. He's on the video, he shows you a literally 15 or 20 bottles in his bathroom. How is that psychological? So come on, guys. You need sometimes to, I don't, I won't tell you to be rude, but you need to change your doctor. You need to go to another hospital. You need to see a better expert. You need to maybe up your insurance or just ask for a second opinion. You need someone, your mum, your significant other, your sister, to force you to go to hospital when you don't want to over certain things. And sometimes the best thing to do, as we're talking about here, would have been to take a step back to stop forcing the food down, to take time off, to take time out, to get yourself properly medically treated. And if it's a surprise to you guys, to start doing stuff for your heart health. So maybe, maybe, Steve, he was still trying to do the muscle thing, but maybe the treadmill was down to the heart health. Uh, but in this particular case, I think his body was so stressed, so knackered, so damaged from the previous medical issues and trying to force yourself to stay in that particular place because you're stubborn by his own admission that you end up in the situation you're in. Now, as always, guys, let's reference the PEDs here, Stephen, and then let's get back again to our message for the day. A lot of people want to know, how did Cedric use steroids while in the military? It's a, it's a fair question. I've seen a lot of that over the years posted. And... Um, you know, the military doesn't test for steroids. You know, most cases, unless something happens where they're really like trying to do something, especially he wasn't an officer, he was enlisted. So they awesome. test for recreational drugs. Can I yep. jump in here very quickly, mm-hmm. Steve? Go ahead, buddy. I've answered, this, I've answered this question on the forum, guys. So not being an American, take this as it is. But I've looked into this for you. You've got the military code. You can look it up. If you're in the army, go on Google, Google the military code, and you can ask this question for yourself. So essentially, my understanding is thus. If you are in the military, that's an army, navy, air force, marines, whatever, and you're not an arsehole, and you're not constantly getting into trouble, and you're not pissing off your CO, whoever that might be, that could be your sergeant, your captain, your lieutenant, your major, whatever rank in the army, and so on and so forth in the other services, then there is occasional testing for recreational drugs, essentially the, op- the opiates, cannabis, and so on and so forth. 
But if you're a complete and utter dick and you're pissing everybody off around you and you're causing people problems, and especially if you're pissing off your CO, then they can, but rarely do, test for steroids. In other words, you'd have to be a complete and utter knob and really fuck up and really piss people off for them to do it. And the reason for that is that when the, when the military do it, it costs them a lot of money. The other tests are relatively cheap. Testing for steroids is relatively expensive. And you're using the taxpayers back here, guys. So it's very rare to be done. Basically, we can say that is the case because we know of professional Mr. Olympias that have been police officers, mentioning no names, other professional bodybuilders that have been in the military. Again, I think specifically the army, but other military services too, and people from lower ranks in, in terms of professional bodybuilding or amateur bodybuilding who have been police officers, been FBI, have been the feds themselves, and so on and so forth. And yet they've been allowed to carry on because they've been good soldiers or good police officers and they've been putting the work in and they haven't been getting complaints because they weigh 300 pounds and people were intimidated by them or they were smashing down doors or they were being overly aggressive and they were making arrests. Quite simply, they didn't piss anybody off. So no one was saying we should get this guy tested because I want to know why he's so angry, upset, et cetera, et cetera, all the time. And that's, it's, that's it in a nutshell, Steve. It really is. So as Steve says, don't really test for steroids. You've got to be a complete and utter dickhead. Recreational drugs is kind of random, although CO can push for you to have it if you think you're stoned or whatever else when you're on duty. And obviously, if you're getting charged, if you're getting court-martialed, if you're doing, you're getting the MPs arresting you. If you're really pissing your your fellow soldiers off, Marines, whatever, then at some point they're going to test you, whether you like it or not. It's the same as in the workplace, except it that costs them more money than they want to spend getting you tested for steroids. Back to you, Steve. So let's kind of get into what he would have used when he won the Arnold. So HGH is a big one. 25 IUs per day, along with insulin, 13 IUs a day. The insulin helps partition his food. He's a big food guy. We know because of the stuff he said and, you know, his diet that he was eating when he was peaking. Um, he would post pictures and post videos of his diet. So he was eating a lot of food. Now, to a normal person, you eat that much food, you're just going to get fat. But to a bodybuilder with his genetics, you combine HGH and insulin and that food basically turns into a weapon. So that's what the pros do. That's the secret to why you're like, oh, why are these pros eating so much food and they're not getting obese? Well, that's why. This is these, these chemicals, the way these chemicals work in the body, the way you turn your body into a machine that's basically going to suck up all this nutrition from the food and help you grow muscle size. So that's a difference. That's a difference. That's why a lot of these pro bodybuilders who give uh, nutritional advice don't know jack shit at what they're talking about, you know, because the average Joe isn't going to take tons of HGH and tons of insulin and tons of steroids, right? Next thing, sustenin, 500 milligrams a week, not very much. Um, you know, the guys, you know, guys don't typically use a lot of testosterone or, you know, sustenone, which is a blend of four different testosterone esters, they don't like to use a lot of testosterone, especially leading up into a competition because of the bloat aspect. If you look at, you know, his competitions, the guy was shredded. Um, so you couldn't find a speck of water on his body if you tried. And a lot of that has to do with the way they manipulate their, their water intake and diuretics and stuff like that at the competitions. Testrenbolone, acetate, 1,200 milligrams a week, very important steroid to use at that level. Your competition are using Tren. So if you don't use Tren to keep up with them, it's going to be a struggle. So Tren is a very important one that he would have definitely been using. And Mobster, you want to mention the last few and give your thoughts? Right, guys. So, yeah, we're also looking, it's we're talking about relatively small cycle here, Steve, compared to some of the professional cycles that we talked about in the past. And again, I think this is down to his genetic response, his, his shape, his insertions that I've already referred to. And of course, uh, pre-medical issues, his ability, as Steve says, to get into shape. So we're looking at a competition cycle here. It's not that heavy, as I said already. So master on propionate, thousand milligrams a week. If you look at what we've talked about so far, you're only looking 
total of about two and a half, three grams a week. Some of the cycles we've referred to have been four, five, six grams. The equipoise pushes it up. That takes it to a thousand milligrams a week. And again, I'm talking about competition prep here. This is not a year round cycle. Wind stroll, 100 milligrams a day. Again, competition prep. So it's higher end now, but both of these are obviously going to get him into shape. And as Steve refers to earlier on, making him look dry. And then lastly, and a, and a big favorite of mine, but higher dose than I would ever probably want, run 150 milligrams of anovar a day. And again, this is towards the upper end. And that pushes it up very, very close to what I would consider to be excessive. But it's also because we're talking about a top professional bodybuilder getting in shape for one of, if in the case of the Olympia, but certainly with the other one, one of the better competitions in the world in regards to the Ohio Arnold Classic. So you're looking at those particular things. And again, it's a we've got to look here, guys. We talked about this, funny enough, in a pre-show referencing um, something else that we'd looked at, uh, nothing to do with Cedric, when we're talking about the excessive use of steroids by some people, recommendations and so on and so forth. Cedric ultimately, even with his medical issues, were genetically blessed. Uh, the ability, his, his assertions in terms of his overall look, his ability to respond to training, his ability to respond to nutrition, again, pre-medical issues, uh, is specific enough that when Steve's talked about in other shows, there's 0.01% of bodybuilders able to look a certain particular way. And something we've also talked about when it comes to PEDs, of course, is their ability to deal with and respond to drugs, their ability to deal with and respond to nutrition. And again, all pre-any pre medical issues that Cedric might have had. So I'm thinking this kind of cycle was probably almost on point in terms of competition prep for him winning the Arnold. Now, unless we get it from the horse's mouth, which is extremely unlikely, if there's any videos out there already or any articles, it's hard to say. So obviously, as we say with this particular stuff, it's based on our best information, our experience, our knowledge, and, uh, uh, and, and best guess. But I don't think anything is too far off, off, the, off the point here, Steve, in terms of the, the, the HGH, the insulin, especially, in terms of helping him in nutrition. As you say, with the SAS, I can see that coming in and out. The trend, it's not even that excessive, again, for a top professional bodybuilder. And the EQ, the Winstrol, and the Anivar, to me, is all polish and maintenance of muscle tissue while you're cutting down. So there's nothing there that stands out as being too far off what we, what we think it is. I'll make the point again, guys, that I made earlier on, and I'm sure Steve will echo this in terms of our final thoughts. Uh, Steve and I both think that he was an incredible bodybuilder, very, very popular for the reasons I've already stated, having fun. I mean, I'll give you an example, Steve, and I saw this. Kevin Leverone referred to a competition that I think that you mentioned as one of the competitions that Cedric had taken part in, and the photograph that Kevin used, it might have been a small video, but in my mind, it's a picture. And it's, I think it might have been two. It might have been a video where he's been handed the trophy and he grabs hold of um, Kevin in a proper, proper hug. I don't just mean a man hug or an arm across the shoulder. It's a proper, oh my God, I'm so grateful. Thank you for allowing me to be here, winning kind of stuff. And this says to me that he loved competing, that he loved being up on stage. He was just great. Kevin, who's a, a classic a winner and uh, a legend in a sport himself was there to present him with his trophy. This meant a huge amount to him. So his passion for the sport was enormous. The response that he had to and the response that he got from fans was fantastic. He just loved to train, loved to compete. But the message, guys, as I was saying earlier on, which I said I would repeat, is simply this. If there are times when you need to take a break, there are times when you need, don't have to be an arsehole, but go and see another doctor, get a second opinion, go and get yourself fixed, go and get yourself treated. Steve and I have been good. I have the same problem in my shoulder that Steve has with his. I don't have the pins and needles, but I have all the other problems where at the minute it's, I can't put my right arm above my head. And yet I'm still trying to see if I can press. I'm still trying to see if I can do this shoulder exercise and whatever else. And it probably comes down to no more than wear a tear from years of training. I don't have the heart issues or the ulcers or whatever else that Cedric had. But you go, when you look back on this stuff, you go, get yourself checked out, get yourself treated, go and see a doctor, have all these things done to you. Quickly for you, Steve, before I do the disclaimer, what do you think? The same? 
Yeah, and your cat in the background agrees too. <laughs> you hear him? Yeah, yeah. meow, meow. You, you know, yeah. didn't feed him dinner yet. But here, here, here's the bottom line, guys. Um, you know, I was talking to Mobster Dust in the pre-show. I think our podcast, you know, we give you a lot of information and we give you a lot of our opinions too. But, you know, I think some of the stuff we say can really, really save lives out there. So, you know, some of the lives we say at the end of the day, you know, your body does things like throwing up because it's rejecting what you're putting in it. And uh, it's important to understand that. Like if you, if you, if you get food poisoning, your body's throwing up like crazy, you don't just keep throwing food at it. You know, you got to just like say, you know what, I'm going to stop throwing food at it. Whatever my body's trying to get rid of this bacteria that it thinks is, you know, it thinks it's under attack. It's trying to get rid of this bacteria from this food poisoning, whatever. It's trying to get rid of this bug. So let it get rid of the bug. If you throw more food at it, it's just going to reject it. So you ever been in the situation where you've had food poisoning like for 24 hours, you can't keep anything down, then don't eat anything. Just no. sip a little water here and there, get some electrolytes in your system so you don't get dehydrated, but let your body get rid of whatever it, it, it's doing. Because if you keep throwing food at it, it's not going to fix itself. So, you know, this is why, I, you know, I'm an advocate for fasting and bodybuilders, no matter if you're a pro bodybuilder at the highest level or you're just a gym rat. It's very important to fast here and there just to give your body a break, let it repair itself. And it's, it's, that's what it is. So at the end of the day, look, Cedric, he loved bodybuilding so much that he wanted to come back and do the Arnold in South America in 2022. He wanted to come back so bad. He pushed to come back. He was taking pictures, showing off his body. Even through all his sicknesses, he had an incredible physique. And he's a great man. He served the country. He's not one of these assholes, you know, on social media that we see now, the fake patriots, you know, they never served a day in their life. Okay. And they post all this bullshit on their social media where they're better than you, you know, oh, I'm better than you. I'm more patriotic than you. Dude, motherfucker, you never served jack shit. Cedric served, you don't see Cedric posting shit like that on his social media that he's better than everyone else because he served and you never fucking serve and you're talking shit shut your mouth motherfucker and they know who if you're listening to this you know who i'm talking to shut your fucking mouth cedric <laughs> he lived the life you know he did it okay he actually went and he served in iraq while you're sitting on your ass drinking beer you know i in your on your couch he fucking went and served you know, so he he was an amazing guy, great guy. Nobody has anything negative to say about this guy. And it's sad that we keep losing the good guys in bodybuilding. We keep losing the good guys. None of these assholes that are out there can 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 drop dead. We got to keep losing the, the good guys. That's that sucks. So, um, you know, I really I really would have loved, you know, to. Um, to have Cedric on the podcast. We didn't get a chance to interview him. Um, and it's it's a shame because we would love to have him on the podcast. I would have loved to talk to him off the podcast as well and gotten to know him as a, you know, had a friendship with him. And, um, you know, heart goes out to, to his family and friends um, affected by this. But definitely he was an amazing, amazing bodybuilder for sure. In my mind, you know, Looking at his physique, I think he has the best physique I've seen mobster over the past decade, personally. I think he's the best bodybuilder as far as I'm concerned. So, hey, that's just my opinion. So finish out right. the show, mobster. Give your final thoughts and take us to the disclaimer. Guys, he leaves behind a wife and four kids. They're not going to be that old. So that's going to have an impact. And, yeah, message again, as before, is look after your health, especially look after your heart health. Uh, you know, sometimes we are, as we said earlier on, and we appreciate that Cedric had the same problem, was focused on being successful and driven as the next person. And we ignore the danger signs. We ignore those things about us, which we should have got fixed. And, you know, illness is going to happen to all of us at any time. And you can end up with stuff that's completely unrelated to bodybuilding, which fucks that. And sometimes bodybuilding or weightlifting or whatever can seem to be like it's the only thing that matters 
but occasionally when you're in this kind of situation, if it ever happens to you, these kind of medical issues, take the fucking time off and get yourself fucking fixed. It's as simple as that. You can always come back to training when you're ready. You can always come back to training when you're fully fit and you're fully recovered. We know that there's people out there with missing arms and legs that still lift. We know that there's people out there that have had these kind of medical issues that we're talking about. But you need sometimes just to take the time off, go off and get the proper medical treatment, get yourself fixed, get yourself right, then come back. The training will be there waiting for you. We'll get back the muscle that you lost. You can continue on. So, guys, as always, please note we are not doctors and the opinions that we offer in this podcast are ours and ours alone. It's our view and based on our experience and views on the topic, our podcast for informational purposes and entertainment only, the freedom of speech and the first amendment.